You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 557 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning, and uh, plenty to discuss on the podcast today as the Hawks were in San Antonio for the first of a back-to-back that is absolutely brutal. A couple of people from the Hawks organization mentioned to me um, before they left for the trip that this is probably the most difficult scheduling back-to-back of the season. A Tuesday night tip-off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern in San Antonio, followed by a 7.30 tip-off on Wednesday at home. I guess two pretty good basketball teams in the Spurs and the Sixers. And uh, for a lot of the day, though, on Tuesday, it was looking pretty favorable for the Hawks. At the end of the day, though, it's a six-point loss, 117-111 to 111 at the hands of the Spurs. And for some backdrop here, because this is pretty much going to be a, a game-only podcast, the Hawks have had a lot of trouble in San Antonio in recent years, or actually not so recent years. The Hawks have not won in San Antonio since February 15th, 1997. For some context here, if you want to guess how old I am, I was in fifth grade the last time the Hawks won in San Antonio. That's a long, long time ago. They've lost 20 games in a row in that building. Um, four players on the Hawks were not born when they last won there. Troy Young, John Collins, Amari Spellman, and Kevin Herter have not seen a Hawks win in their lifetime in San Antonio. Dominic Wilkins, of course, the legendary Hawk, was playing for the Spurs and starting for the Spurs in that game. And the Hawks started a lineup of Mookie Blaylock, Steve Smith, Christian Leitner, Kevin Mutombo, and Henry James. In that spot, so it's been a long, long time. Um, there were moments in this game where I felt like the Hawks might win on the road, uh, but it wasn't able to uh, come to fruition at the very, very end of the contest. So, backdrop-wise, the Hawks were also shorthanded in this game once again. Uh, John Collins was actually sitting for load management rest reasons. Um, that was kind of a surprise in some ways when it broke on Monday, but um, nothing to be too careful about, obviously, because it's one of those things where the Hawks are not playing for too much right now, and Collins is someone they want to take care of in the future, so no, no, no big surprise, I guess. And then Torian Prince missed this game as well with a with the foot, with the, the foot soreness that's kept him out of the lineup the last handful of contests. As a result of those two absences, the Hawks we're actually 11-point underdogs before tip-off here, so they covered pretty easily. That was kind of never in doubt, frankly, um, and they played pretty close throughout the contest. We'll start at the beginning here, as we always do. Uh, not a lot of defense going on in the opening moments of this game. The Hawks um, and Spurs were kind of scoring at will against one another, which was kind of entertaining in some ways. The Spurs are not always the most entertaining team to watch, frankly. They've been playing pretty well. Uh, in the recent past, and they're going to be playing in the playoff once again, but at the same time, not the most uh, aesthetically pleasing brand of basketball in 2019, but they played good offense in this game for the most part. Kevin Herter had a nice aggressive start, which was nice to see for the Hawks, and in general, a 123 offensive rating for Atlanta in the first quarter to uh, keep things going. Uh, They still trail by two points, though, because the Spurs scored 33 points and a 131 offensive rating in the first quarter, and Patty Mills was the biggest reason why. He hit three threes in a row at the end of the first quarter to give the Spurs a small lead. The second quarter, though, was uh, kinder to the Hawks in a lot of ways. Um, it was it was dead even. Actually, it was probably the ugliest quarter in terms of just the back and forth, but it was at least a static quarter overall for the Hawks, and a lot of that was because of Kent Bazemore, who was uh, great in this game compared to, the, to, how, he, to how he's been for, the, for a while now. I've been critical of Bazemore um, for about the last month, maybe month and a half, with his struggles, but uh, he's, he was sort of... Um, allowing the Hawks to survive their lack of depth. They only had 10 guys available in this game because of all the injuries and the absence of Collins. And uh, Bazemore had 15 points in his first 11 minutes of action on 6-9 shooting 
uh, in March, just for comparison's sake, in March, Bazemore shot 27% from the floor and uh, really, really struggled, but it was good to see him come alive in this game. The Hawks needed every bit of that to be competitive. Um, later in the half, there was a uh, sort of a fireworks moment when, when DeMar DeRozan got a technical foul. He actually blew through Trey Young, who actually did a nice job drawing a charge at the end of, at the, end of the half. DeRozan uh, got the foul and then got teed up after that, and that allowed the Hawks to, uh, I guess, tie the game, at least tie the game briefly. Went into halftime down by two, and uh, the offense was uh, okay. Um, in general, though, the the, uh, the Hawks did not shoot the ball well in the first half. We're four of 16 from three. So aside from Baysmore, there wasn't too much going on there. But on the bright side, they had seven offensive rebounds and five turno- only five turnovers, which allowed them to stay afloat despite the questionable shooting in the first half. The third quarter was a, uh, a wild ride, in fact. The Hawks went down by eight pretty quickly in the third quarter um, with about seven minutes to go in the third quarter. But then from there, it was all Hawks on the stretch of the period. It was a pretty funny moment that I made in my notes that Deontay Davis actually had a two-hand shove right in front of the official on a, on a screen for his fourth foul. He was apoplectic that it was actually called on him. That was pretty funny. I enjoyed that uh, in a lot of ways. But the Hawks had an 8-0 run to tie the game at 80 after it was felt like it was slipping away, honestly. Like the Spurs might just pull away, and they never did that because the Hawks came alive. There was a big three from Kent Bazemore to take the lead, actually, at 85-84. And overall, it was an 18-6 run by the Hawks to end the third quarter in a 23-6 run overall when they, when they scored the first five points of the fourth. But in the third quarter alone, the Hawks shot 59% from the floor, had nine assists, and they were 6 of 11 from three. Alex Lent had 11 points, including a trio of threes in the third quarter. He was awesome. And again, as I mentioned before, a 23-6 overall run that was keyed by another Baysmore three to go up by seven. Suddenly the Hawks were up by, up by seven early in the fourth, and then after a, a, a dunk from Dante Davis, they are up nine early in the fourth quarter. Led by Jalen Adams, uh, who had some really nice passes during that stretch. And it was the second unit. That was kind of the craziest part about that, about that big-time run from the Hawks, is that it was not the starters that, re- that really keyed it. There were there were some guys involved there, but for the most part, it was Adams, it was Bazemore, it was Davis, those other guys who were playing well and uh, just kind of surprisingly so, pulling away from the Spurs a little bit. They ran a two-point guard lineup for a moment when they uh, brought Trey Young back in the game, but there was a weird stretch, <laughs> sort of a memorable stretch. There were two different ones. One was the very, very end of the game that we'll talk about here in a second, but with about seven minutes to go. There was a two-minute stretch or so where both teams just couldn't do anything. I made a tweet about the Yakety Sax music, uh, just kind of hilariously bad um, execution on both sides. It didn't really end up burning the Hawks, but it was one of those things that was just kind of weird to watch. And then the big run came from the Spurs, a 15-4 to run to go up 108-104. to A lot of that was because of the uh, front court of Deontay Davis and Isaac Humphreys playing together. That, that did not go very well for the Hawks in this game. And then uh, old friend Marco Bellinelli hit about a 30-foot three to cap that run to put them up by four. From there, the Hawks never led again. There was a floater from Trey Young to get back within two. But uh, after he missed a long three, um, the Spurs had back-to-back buckets to go up by six. Um, from there, um, De- DeMar DeRozan did foul out, which kind of gave the Hawks a little bit of, an, of a uh, window into a competitive close to this game. That They were down 112-107. to But from there, Vince um, Carter got, got it back to three with with a pair of free throws at one, at the 120 mark. But then Brent Forbes knocked, knocked down probably the biggest shot of the game, a three to put the game away. And then things got pretty weird there in the last few seconds. Trey Young sat for about two minutes or so in the fourth quarter, um, in, in crunch time, I should say, which was odd considering the Hawks were trying to, trying to make a comeback. He's their offensive engine, to be sure. He did come back in with about 37 seconds to go, but they were already down by eight. It was pretty much over at that point, and also... 
Alex Lensat for the final almost seven minutes of this game, despite being by far the Hawks' best big man, um, both in the game and just overall. Obviously, Lynn is a much better player than Humphreys or Davis are, and they were playing Humphreys-Davis. And there was some Vince Carter, to be fair, but Lynn is by far the best center available and just was not playing for some reason down the stretch. Uh, Chris Kirchner of The Athletic, you know, shouts to him. He was in the building in San Antonio, asked Lloyd Pierce about that, and Pierce said uh, that he went with defense, which I'm confused about in some ways. I'm trying not to go too far into this Um <laughs> this this portion of the of the uh, podcast and the, and the game itself, but there's no real argument for defense being a strength of someone like Davis or Humphreys over Alex Lynn. Um, the Trey Young thing, I guess you could sort of squint, but when you're going with Jalen Adams, that's not really an explanation for that either. So, you know, not that not the Young was great in this game or anything, but just kind of a weird spot. I, I I commented a little bit on Twitter, probably went a little bit too far in some ways, but I thought it was pretty egregious lineup wise down the stretch to the point where it was uh, conjuring some questions about the uh, intent to win this contest, given the tanking implications that the Hawks might have had with the uh, with the draft and all that fun stuff. The Hawks probably could have won this game and been okay draft-wise, draft but it was just very odd to see Alex Lynn on the bench and then Trey Young uh, out of the game in big moments um, in closing time. So I think the Hawks might have lost this game anyway. Uh, the Spurs did come back and take the lead before things got super weird, but with that said, Lynn wasn't on the floor for, for that big run from the Spurs either. So it just got a little bit strange, and people around the league noticed. I got, I got a few texts from people that were sort of unprompted even before I was tweeting about it, talking about why Alex Lynn wasn't in the game, and just some weird stuff. Um, and we'll kind, of, we'll kind of leave it there for now. Just wanted to at least point it out and not ignore it on the podcast because I owe it to people to know, to sort of express my opinion. I think the Hawks could have executed better and could have used better lineups to try to win this game if they wanted to do so, and uh, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, one other note that I want to get to before we get to a break here is that the Hawks became the eighth team in NBA history to make at least 1,000 threes in a season. And, of course, the Hawks have a few games left here. So, you know, a lot of that is uh, the, er- the era in which we're playing basketball right now. The Hawks, you know, every, si- every single team that's ahead of the Hawks on that list in terms of uh, team-wide makes for over the course of a season is in the last, you know, three, four, five years. So it's not really a uh, award. <laughs> it's not really a mark that's, that's quite as crazy as you might think, but still a top 10 all-time mark for this Hawks team and making a lot of threes. They're taking a ton of them. Even this game, they attempted 34 threes. And that was kind of a lower number than they have in, in the recent past. So I guess uh, shouts to that shot, that shot profile. We talked about it a lot on the podcast during the season. But Lloyd Pierce knows what he wants. He wants shots at the rim, and he wants threes. It's been very effective, and the offense um, has, has been uh, benefiting as a result of that. So, um, you know, I guess overall, offensively, the Hawks uh, came down a little bit at the end of this game. Still posted a very respectable 109.5 offensive rating for the game. That's pretty solid and enough to win a lot of times. Shot 46% from the floor, 35% from three. Did miss seven free throws, which actually came back to bite them a little bit. They were 13 of 20 from the free throw line. That hurt a little bit. 26 assists for the Hawks against only 11 turnovers. That's a pretty good ratio. And uh, once again, another step forward for the Hawks taking care of the ball. That's good to see, including uh, their point guard tandem of Young and Adams had zero turnovers in the game. That's pretty impressive for a pair of rookies. Defensively, the Hawks were not great. Uh, <laughs> let's just put that out there right now. Uh, that was a full game trend for Atlanta in this game. The Spurs, you know, they, ex- they execute well. Derek White was very good, I thought. Um, DeMar DeRozan had 29 points, including 16 free throw attempts. It was an ugly brand of basketball in some ways. Uh, and then Patty Mills had a huge uh, run in the first half. But a 115.4 offensive rating for the Spurs. That's bad defense from, from Atlanta. 53, 53% from the floor, 47% from three. 
for the Spurs in this game. And if not for 17 turnovers, the Hawks would have been in some uh, worse shape. But um, you know, it's just one of those things where they can't really rely on the defense just yet. It's been better in some ways down the stretch of the season. But uh, if you play against a high-level team, it's going to execute you to death. They did that for the most part. It wasn't always pretty, but it worked out for them. And their starters were just really good. You know, Aldridge, Derek White. DeMar DeRozan and Brent Forbes were all plus 14 or better in a game that they won, that they, that they won by six points. So San Antonio's bench was kind of brutal. Marco Bellinelli was not very good um, in, in, a, in an unsurprising way, I suppose. But the Hawks just um, didn't have enough to get, the, to get the win in this game. And we'll talk more about that when we get to the individual players in a moment. But before we get to the individual players, I do want to talk to you about the good folks at Wise Cameras. Wise is the indoor camera that does it all because it's packed with premium features that allow you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. It has 1080p full HD, so images are clear, and you'll never miss a thing. And on top of that, Wise cameras have night vision and two-way audio with a mission to make amazing smart home products accessible to everyone. You can check in on your home anytime with Wise, Wise app's live stream. And the stream has 8x digital zoom, so Wise is also a fantastic value at $20 per camera because of the price, and nothing is too small for a task because of that price and that value for a camera. So even if you, even if you just want to monitor things, take advantage of the free rolling 14-day cloud storage with no subscription. That's a good time to do it given these low, low prices that are available at Wise. It works with your mobile phone anywhere, and we have a dedicated URL just for us. So go to wyze.com slash locked to guarantee a low price on this particular item. One more time, take advantage of the free rolling 14-day cloud storage with no subscription. One more time, no subscription, and use our dedicated URL to purchase at wyze.com slash locked. All right, we can move to the individual players in this game, and uh, it was a definitely an inter- interesting one in a lot of ways. We'll start on the bench, as we usually do, and we'll start with... Uh, Adams has an interesting game here. Jen Adams was 0 of 8 from the floor and 0 of 4 from 3, but Lloyd Pierce said after the game that he thought that Adams was the best player on the floor for Atlanta. I disagree with that. That's probably too strong for my for my liking in watching this game, but at the same time, I think Adams was much better than the 0 of 8 shooting would indicate. He was plus 7, which is not a coincidence. I thought he played pretty well overall, did not score, but had 7 assists, no turnovers, 1 steal, and 2 rebounds for Adams. I thought he made a lot of good plays, missed some open shots, which is going to happen along the way, but I'm not really worried about his shooting. That's probably his best attribute in a lot of ways. So no real, no real concern there moving forward. I thought Adams just did play well. You know, Not quite as well as Pierce was indicating there, in my opinion, but at the same time, I think he did play quite well and quite solidly. He was not one of the reasons that the Hawks lost this game, despite the fact that he was on the floor down the stretch of the game. Uh, Deontay Davis played 20 minutes, had 9 points, 10 rebounds, and 2 steals. Had a couple of nice moments along the way for Davis. He's pretty frustrating in some ways. Picked up 5 fouls, had a couple of just... Weird plays along the way for him, just basketball IQ stuff, execution stuff, and he doesn't always play that hard visibly, in my opinion, but at the same time, um, Davis did, did make a couple of impact plays with it, with his burst athletically. That was good to see. Um, I'm not the biggest fan so far, but at the same, you know, he, he kind of just played okay and did a little bit of uh, what he needed to do and probably play too much, but it's not that's not his fault, obviously. Isaac Humphreys made his debut, his NBA debut, with 18 minutes. He, of course, was the former Kentucky big man that was in Erie for this season. He's out of Australia, played, played Australia last season. Um, was 2 of 9 from the floor and 0 of 3 from 3. Was pretty you know, pretty aggressive in getting getting shots up, which was probably the right move for him as someone making their debut. Had 4 points, 5 rebounds. You know, Wasn't great by any means. Probably need to make a couple more shots given his skill set, but I don't want to make too much judgment right now. But at the same time, kind of like Davis, he was probably just playing too much in this game for a competitive NBA game, even in April. Uh, DeAndre Bembry had a pretty quiet night, 8 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. 
a steal and two turnovers for Bembry. He was minus four. Could have used a little bit more of him, frankly, um, but you know, not, not a huge surprise with the way the Bazemore played that he didn't play too much in this game. And I thought Bembry was just fine. He didn't do anything great or poorly, in my opinion. And finally, Kent Bazemore made the biggest splash of anyone off the Hawks bench and really, really on the entire team in this game. 26 points on 10 of 16 shooting, 5 of 7 from 3, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals for Bazemore as well. Two turnovers and a Hawks best plus 9 in his 24 minutes. Probably should have played more <laughs> given the way he was playing in this game. And But, you know, can't really argue with um, guys going back to Kevin Herter and Justin Anderson in the way they started this game. But, uh, you know, Bays, just good to see him get the ball to go in the basket. He had really struggled. You know, Lloyd Pierce talked about how just getting his confidence back. Baysmore sort of referenced that as well on the postgame broadcast interview that I saw. But, you know, it's a small sample size, but he played well. He shot the ball well and played with more life after struggling a lot in March. So good signs all around for Kent Baysmore. Uh, to starting five in this game, Justin Anderson was pretty quiet after his breakout the other day. He did have seven points and nine rebounds in 26 minutes. You know, I'm obviously on the bandwagon, but I thought he wasn't um, quite as good. Defensively, he'd been a little bit shakier than you'd want in this game. By his standards, still still better than a lot of guys that the Hawks have on the wing. But I thought he just was okay. He didn't do too much in the way of positivity offensively. Um, and the rebounding is good. He was second on the team rebounding, but um, it was just sort of a so-so game from, just, from Justin. Vince Carter, eight points, five assists for Vince. Uh, third most on the team, I should say. 3-5 from the floor, missed both of his three-point attempts, but had two free throws. The Hawks needed him in this game, playing playing against Rudy Gay. Uh, Rudy Gay was the only guy in the Spurs starting lineup that actually did not play well, and a lot of that was Carter being uh, being himself defensively and kind of getting in the way and making making little plays. Just didn't didn't have a splash going from, from beyond the arc, but I thought Carter played pretty decently. Um, Kevin Herter was pretty aggressive, especially in the first half. Took 11 shots, actually had 13 points. Two rebounds, an assist, and two steals, and a block for Kevin Herter. One of three from three. He cooled off a little bit after the hot start. And it wasn't even necessarily that hot. I just was encouraged by the fact that he was playing hard, playing downhill, getting to the rim a little bit, just being aggressive with his shot. Kind of faded away into the background a little bit down the stretch, which isn't a surprise. It's kind of what he's been doing most of the season as a rookie supporting piece. But uh, I, thought he, I thought he was okay in this game. And then Trey Young, last but not least, I guess two more guys to get to. We'll end with Alex Len. But Trey Young, 5-15 from the floor. 0 of 6 from 3, 5 of 5 from the free throw line, did have 6 assists and no turnovers. He had 15 points in 30 minutes. So with all that said, you know, I said all that stuff about him not playing down the stretch. Young did lead the team in minutes, which is at least important to point out. Um, I thought he wasn't great in this game. It was probably his worst game in a while. It wasn't just the efficiency for me. You know, he's going to have nights where he, where he doesn't shoot great, but at the same time, I thought he just wasn't great in the, in the floor game. Had some nice passes as he as he always does, a couple of nice lobs, and just kind of had his usual verve as a passer, but just didn't play that well. Defensively, got, eat, got eaten up a little bit. And the last three games, now he's kind of cooled off after that really really hot shooting stretch that he had before that. The last three games, he's one of eight from three against Portland, two of nine against Milwaukee, and zero of six here. So. Uh, my quick math says that's three of 23, the last three games from three. Nothing really worried about, but the, from the field as well, wasn't quite as efficient as you would want to be. He was, uh, I believe it's 20 of, I'm trying to do the math, 20 of 59 from the floor in the last three games as well, about 33, 34%. So not anything too egregious. It's a three-game sample size, but uh, Young just didn't have it quite at the normal level that he would in this game. Nothing to worry about because he's been very, very good on the uh, full strength of the season. Uh, last but not least here, Alex Lynn, I thought, played very well. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and a block shot. Wish he had played more, frankly, but made four threes, including three in a row in the second quarter. 7 of 11 from the floor, 4 of 5 from 3, 3 of 6 from the free throw line. His free throw shooting has been kind of a mess this year, which is weird to say because he's also been just such a developing asset as a shooter throughout the season. But it's, he just has these spells at the line where he just cannot make 
anything from the free throw line for the entire season, but it's still been sort of solid, like not as good as he's been for his entire career, which makes no sense at all, considering Len is a better shooter now than he's ever been um, in every other way, just not at the line. So that's just, that's just a small thing, too, that I, that I sort of embrace and could see when you're just sort of relying on him in a, in a big moment. You don't always trust him at the free throw line, but I thought Len did play very well, combated um, Aldridge pretty well, and Aldridge, they, they were playing a lot of small ball. You know, Jakob Pertl was the only center that really played for San Antonio. I know Aldridge is kind of a center at this point in his career, but doesn't always play there. Len was kind of a fish out of water in some ways there, but again, by far the best big for the Hawks in this game, and I wish he had played more down the stretch. So, all that said, I know that's a lot to take in on a Tuesday and to Wednesday, and it's back-to-back for me as well as it is for everyone, but the Hawks will be back in action on Wednesday against Philadelphia. Um, I hope that's enough uh, to cover this particular game. We'll have much more on what transpires. I'll be in the building on Wednesday against the uh, Sixers at State Farm Arena, so we'll have plenty, plenty more on that game and everything else going on in Hawksland. Please subscribe to this podcast if you've not already done that on your podcast platform of choice, whether that be Himalaya is a good place to get your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Spotify, all those places, we should be there. And if we're not there, please let me know that. And uh, if nothing else, we'll see you guys in about 24 hours.